Thanks for listening to Star Lores. If you like the show, please consider subscribing and giving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also help us make more great content by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com. We would also love to hear from you on social media. You can follow Star Lores on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you. You are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? in the Toshi station to pick up some power converters. This episode, we will be reviewing the Dark Horse Comics graphic novel, The Dawn of the Jedi. Released from 2012 to 2014, it was among some of the last material written prior to the Disney acquisition of the Star Wars property. The books were written by John Ostrander, author of the popular Dark Horse comic run Star Wars Legacy, and illustrated by Star Wars veteran Jan Dersima. If you have not read the series and would like to, this is your obligatory spoiler alert. Nearly 26,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, before the Empire, and before the Galactic Republic, a monastic order of Force users called the Jedi occupied the mysterious planet of Tython in the deep core of the galaxy. The planet is home to a very ancient and unknown alien technology. Chief among this technology were the pyramid-shaped vessels called the Tho-Yor, which possessed the ability to detect and travel to force-sensitive species on other planets. Over the course of a millennia, the Tho-Yor traversed the galaxy, summoning species like the Wookiees, Twi'leks, Cathar, and Selkath, and brought them to the force-rich Tython as a religious pilgrimage where they would eventually form the Order of the Jedi. The mystical homeworld of the Jedi was so intricately connected to the Force that any imbalance would throw the planet into violent Force storms, which could spell death for the uninitiated. This reality is what formed the Jedi's guiding principle, balance. Because of the nature of the storms, it was of utmost importance that its inhabitants did not imbue themselves into the light side, nor fully immerse into the dark side. They strove for both discipline and passion, and walked a fine line between order and chaos. Tython had twin moons, the bright Ashla 
and the dark Bogan. These moons had become synonymous with the dark and light sides of the Force, respectively. When a Jedi veered too far to the dark side, he would be exiled to Bogan so he could look upon Ashla and meditate on the light side. And vice versa, should he veer too far to the light side, he would be exiled to Ashla to gaze at and meditate on Bogan and the dark side. The Jedi E code goes as follows. There is no ignorance, there is knowledge. There is no fear, there is power. I am the heart of the Force. I am the revealing fire of light. I am the mystery of darkness, in balance with chaos and harmony, immortal in the Force. Over the years, as the population grew, it had become more and more dangerous for the non-force-wielding inhabitants of Tython to withstand the force storms. As a result, the pre-hyperspace peoples ventured out and colonized the rest of the Tython star system. As time passed and cultures grew independent of one another, resentment against the Order also grew. This led to the Despot War, initiated by the Twi'lek dictator Queen Hadia, who wanted to conquer the planet of Tython and overthrow the Jedi. Twelve years after the conclusion of the Despot War and several thousand light years away, the first civilization to achieve hyperspace had been wreaking havoc in a vicious galactic conquest, the Rakatan Infinite Empire. The Rakata, also referred to as the Builders in BioWare's Knights of the Old Republic video game, were an extremely Force-sensitive yet barbaric species. The uncivilized Rakata were discovered by an advanced spacefaring species named the Qua, who had developed a Force-enabled technology called Infinity Gates, not unlike the technology in the cult science fiction Stargate, which gave them the ability to traverse the stars instantaneously. The Kwa were powerful in the ways of the Force and sought to bring enlightenment to other Force-sensitive species across the galaxy. In one of their evangelistic missions, they encountered the Rakata on the planet Rakata Prime, as it was referred to at the time, and instructed them on their philosophy of the Force. The Rakata were primitive relative to the Kwa. They had not yet even achieved spaceflight. They were, however, extremely adept Force users. The only problem with this was that culturally, the Rakata were very power-hungry and warlike, which gave them a strong penchant towards the dark side. This also probably explained why they had not achieved spaceflight, due to their society being hampered by a constant state of war. Eventually, despite the Qua's best efforts to guide the Rakata to balance, the Rakata succumbed to the dark side and killed many of the peaceful Qua, as well as appropriating their advanced technology. This led to a quantum leap for the Rakata, who in very short period of time went from pre-space flight to galactic superpower with the development of hyperdrive technology. The now titled Infinite Empire employed a strategy of targeting force-rich worlds, much like their predecessors, the Qua. However, instead of peacefully proselytizing these worlds, they opted to enslave their populations, 
By enslaving native peoples with force abilities, they could use them in both their armies and economy, as well as ensure they never got powerful enough to rival the empire. Generals in the Infinite Empire would often have powerful force slaves called Force Hounds, who would serve as bodyguards, special ops, and a myriad of other tactical purposes. One such Force Hound was Zesh. Considered to be one of the most highly skilled Force Hounds in the Empire, the human male Zesh had an uncanny ability to sense and seek out worlds with high concentrations of Force-sensitive inhabitants, and it was Zesh who was responsible for first discovering Tython, bringing with him the wrath of the Rakatan worship the Devourer upon the Jedi homeworld. Through a series of events, the Devourer is stricken from the sky and brought crashing into Tython, and with the death of so many Force users upon the vessel, as well as the heavy presence of the dark side, the already unstable planet is thrown into violent force storms. Zesh was the only survivor of the crash. Eventually, Zesh joins the Jedi to pursue balance and abandon the dark side. He warns the Order of the impending attack on the Tython star system from the Infinite Empire, as he and his master's ship was only a scout mission. The real Calvary had not yet arrived. This new threat galvanized the Jedi and the other settled worlds in the star system as they joined forces to prepare for what would be called the Force War. A year after Zesh joined the Jedi, the Rakatan Infinite Empire arrived in the Tython star system, engaging in a full-scale assault with intentions to colonize and enslave its populations. The Tythonians were severely undermatched to the highly advanced technology and sheer numbers of the Rakata. Some of the Jedi, however, had discovered an ancient holocron on Tython belonging to the now extinct Qua. The holocron revealed the history and force secrets of the Qua to the Jedi, and it was also discovered that the mysterious Thoyor vessels were in fact constructed by the ancient species. Upon deciphering how to trigger the Thoyor's defense system, they emerge from Tython fully operational and completely wipe out the Infinite Empire's fleet in the star system, winning the war for the Jedi. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. So, Christian, Dawn of the Jedi, our <laughs> review. Um, so, how did you feel about the setting and the universe in general, and how does it stand against other eras in the Legends universe? Um, so, the first thing is that uh, that really stood out to me is how much of a break and departure it is from traditional Star Wars, uh, yeah. both in aesthetically and in narratively. Yeah. Um, it's something that I think the authors were intentional about doing is telling a fresh story, a fresh setting, yeah. like a, a kind of a hard reset on the galaxy because it's so far in the past. It's never been explored before. There's elements that are familiar and recognizable, 
but they did something really different with it. And yeah. it's the same creative team that did Star Wars Legends, or sorry, Star Wars Legacy, uh, Legacy yeah. which is so far in the future that they do the same kind of idea of like a yeah. break from what's familiar and make things look different. Yeah, right? totally, yeah. Um, which, in my opinion, I'm not the biggest fan of this series, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Legacy. Yeah. But Dawn of the Jedi didn't really do it for me on a personal level. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything totally against it. I felt the uh, the characters and the plot were uh, not... I think there were some cool ideas that they could have explored, but they didn't. And I didn't sure. really care for the small personal stories in it. Yeah. Um, but I also don't hate it. I yeah, don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's wrong it's just not not for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and me too. I f- I feel in large part like I think what I did really love about it was the universe and I think that's what kind of kept me into the the books is because it, it was just like it was such a different um take yet it was still true to like the Star Wars universe. Um and they were able to do that in such a cool way. <clears throat> and it's it's like so if if you just go 25,000 years prior to any civilization it would look so different than what you understand in modern society yes, yeah absolutely. so so it that's what i liked and that was kind of like a weakness i thought of uh like the kotor games is because um even though they were 4,000 years before the movie events uh they were still like y- you felt like you were basically could it could have been in the same yeah like, it could very era. easily have taken place like, like all the tech, 20 years yeah that the, the yeah. technology is all pretty much the same more or less they do have like vibro blades yeah. but other vibro blades still exist even in sure yeah you just don't re- yeah they're not as um uses often yeah melee yeah. combat definitely has got a bigger emphasis than yeah totally kotor but. totally like the ship technology like everything just kind of feels very similar uh but but the kotor games like relied more on the plot and the and the the characters than it did on the setting you know it just sort of used the star wars setting for to it. tell a cool story yeah to tell a cool story where this is kind of the opposite i felt it was more like the 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 characters and the plot were just to explain this cool universe right. <laughs> you know yes. like the character you're more interested in the setting yeah than the, the, characters. the, the yeah. characters and the plot were just sort of like window dressing to to hey look let's go back let's imagine a time uh far before anything it, that you recognize, yeah anything yes. that you recognize you know um but the, yeah that's that's what i loved about it i loved uh like what would what would it look like pre hyperspace? You know, who was the first galactic empire to span the galaxy and yeah. conquer worlds? You know, like that's that's cool. I love like the idea of force hounds and <clears throat> a, a, like a, a living force planet of Tython. You know, there's there's just like to me that's those are all like pretty cool ideas that um, uh, could definitely be explored more. But but yeah, going on to the characters, I mean, they weren't super memorable to me i i i just couldn't buy into them a lot of them felt kind of flat um maybe rather one-dimensional and maybe there just wasn't enough time to tell the story and i mean it was only a 15 issue series series yeah Yeah, it wasn't like super long so without like novelizing they did do a novelization they did yeah. yeah and perhaps that would be like i haven't read the novelization but perhaps it would be it'd build more on the yeah characters. build more on the characters uh I, like i thought dagon Locke was kind of a cool interesting character i thought he was the only one who really in some ways embodied 
the idea of balance, even though he was like locked on uh, the planet Bogon or whatever, because uh, because he they thought he was going too much to the dark side. But in some ways, he was he was just like so utilitarian. He would always use um, whatever would best serve him at the time, and in some ways to me that if you're going to like go for balance, it's, it's really more about using the tools uh, at your disposal, either in the dark or the light side. But so I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool, but otherwise, yeah, the characters and the, the plot, it was, it, it was like somewhat interesting, but I, I, it wasn't like what you said. Super it w- compelling. Yeah. It wasn't super memorable. Like um, just and and I, I fully agree with you on on everything but the characters. I will say one thing I did really enjoy is the art style and the character design. And sure, that ties yeah. back to the whole setting of like yeah. being very unique, very different. Yeah, but still familiar. A lot of totally. the species are familiar. Yeah, you have Twi'leks, you have uh, Sith. Yeah, yeah. The species as good guys. Yeah, which is an interesting. Type. That that's totally very interesting. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and just their character designs and the art style. Personally, I I like it. Um, yeah art style obviously is very personal yeah some people like one style some people like the other especially in this medium of comic totally, books yeah but for me i I very much appreciated the style and, and I, the artwork. i did i did like the i very much enjoyed the artwork and it did again it just brought brought that aesthetic to the to the universe that you're in and uh they did a good job with that with feeling kind of di- like i want to see a different era in star wars that doesn't feel exactly the same yeah uh, but yeah, uh, so that, that was like, to me, that was the cool thing. Um, and like another interesting thing was, uh, their take on John Ostrander's take on lightsabers. Uh, it was, uh, whereas you had to use the dark side of the force. It's, it's a dark side invention. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of, a an interesting take on lightsabers, you know? Um, yeah. So <clears throat> that's actually something that I I dislike how they handled that. Okay. And um, why is that? So the first thing is there should be a distinction. Um, what they use in this series are called force sabers. Right, right. Which are actually different than light That sabers. is true, yeah. Uh, Good distinction it, to make. Yeah, and they, they're functionally they seem very sim- similar. Yeah. Uh, but force saber, sabers are more in tune with the user's abilities and are turned on and off yeah. through the force. They don't have a functional switch. Yeah. Um, I do believe they still use um, lightsaber crystals. Uh, I forget what they're called off the top of my head. Was it kyber? Kyber crystals, yeah, yes. Kyber crystals. Uh, I don't know if they use kyber crystals or not or if they use some other kind of technology. Um, but they are functionally, in every way, they seem like a lightsaber. Yeah, But yeah. are distinct. Um, and the other thing that kind of gets me about that is you have almost kind of two competing origins of lightsabers. Okay. Um, in some of the older kind of Marvel era... So Marvel did a little bit of work in the past, Ancient Jedi. Oh, did they? Earlier than this, or no, sorry, later than Dawn of the Jedi. Okay. But in our timeline, it came out like I think in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, yeah. And so for their lightsaber development. Before Dark Horse had, yeah. uh, got the rights. Yeah. To, okay. And they did the similar thing where they had a very unique take on the galaxy, on ships, on weapons. They tried to okay. make it look dif- different yeah. and distinct. And in that era, the kind of the origin of the lightsaber... Um, is very different. They have like a power pack that's on your belt and it oh, attaches okay. to the handle. Uh, and I thought that was a very cool, unique take. <laughs> that and feels then, very like Ghostbusters to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it looks it looks interesting. Yeah. And uh, but then you had this like this new force saber that functionally looks like a lightsaber. Yeah. 
uh, it's totally detached. It's just the the handle and everything. So yeah. I, I think it was just, I think it was an unnecessary addition. Yeah, yeah. And I, to me, it just felt like they were trying to use their imaginations on like how could they reinterpret the lightsaber. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And this is something I didn't really care for personally. Fair I, enough. I didn't. Enjoy I, that. Yeah. I, to me, I I didn't really. I kind of feel neutral towards it. I I just I thought it was kind of that's like an interesting interpretation of it. I didn't like. To, to it was believable enough to me but I, I i yeah i don't actually i don't know thinking about it even is like why should only the dark side be able to, to use yeah to, it, it, if it's just if you're simply just using your mind to activate a mechanism yeah and, and, and i think it was tied with the use of it lightsabers initially well force sabers being used as a tool of violence yeah know, not really yeah. something in theory that a pure peace-loving jedi would necessarily yeah. invent a jedi but a jedi e sure and that's the like thing. the jedi e they always play on the fact that they're more gray they're more yeah. in between they're yeah. not they're not jedi they're yeah. not sith exactly yeah and uh and so that's kind of lost in the explanation then of like okay yeah the, the, the jedi e shouldn't have some kind of like um uh, hard and fast commitment to like pacifism or anything right. like that yeah they're yeah. they're more open to interpreting both sides right? yeah they are still engaged and, and open to their emotions and that's actually totally. an important part of it as well yeah um, there's something else I was going to say on lightsabers and I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, well, just in general. Um, so even, even despite like kind of like their, their break from the tradition. Yeah. Uh, overall, I do respect that they, they seem to really try to connect, uh, Dawn of the Jedi with the overall Star Wars universe. Yeah. Even though they were running off and doing their own thing. Yeah. They're respectful of everything that was already established. They're building on things that already existed. Yeah. Uh, they're adding backstory to characters and civilizations like the Rakata that appear yeah. in KOTOR. Yeah. Um, so it seems to it, me... It, it didn't feel like they were like retconning anything from... No, yeah, exactly. They were... Which is a temptation, I would think. Yeah, whenever you're given yeah. like a, a blank pass, it's yeah. like open space to yeah, do whatever totally. you want. Yeah. They very well could have started retconning and doing like completely going off the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some important elements that we'll talk about in a sec regarding kind of retconning and, and the philosophy of the, of the Force. Okay. But uh, before we dive into that, just overall... That aside, and then the yeah. lightsabers aside, yeah. Um, overall, I think they did a good job of trying to stay true to the to the soul of Star Wars. Yeah. I guess I should say in terms yeah. of like everything else, they're they're really trying to make it tie in. You yeah, know, it's not like a whole castle of completely uh, indistinct alien races that you have no idea what they are, who they are, where they come from. Right? They're yeah. really just trying to explain the origins of things that are familiar. Yeah. Um, but leading that into the the huge break. And I'm even hesitant to call it a break. Uh, I, it's a very strong interpretation that even one that I agree with fundamentally, but I think people like George Lucas don't. Accept. Okay. <laughs> and the big thing, it's, you know, through the series, is very, it's pushed very heavily is the nature of the force okay. being a balance of the light and the dark side. Yeah. Uh, I personally am a strong proponent of that, <laughs> of that view. Yeah. Of that interpretation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see an evolution of it later on with Grey Jedi and characters like yeah. Jolie Bindo and, and Kotor. Totally. Uh, but the, this is the norm back then. Yeah. This yeah. is what yeah. the Jedi. Even the Qua were pursuing balance, which preceded the Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. So, exactly. And th yeah. this kind of almost shows that, like, the Jedi Order that we're familiar with by the time of Episode One and, yeah. and the Republic, 
uh, loses. They they lose yeah. sight of the balance and they become it, it almost get, like puritanical. says they're wrong essentially. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and so in that in that way, it is a huge retcon. Totally, yeah. Of and like that, the, that's true. The that's, universe yeah. as a whole, but just because I agree with it yeah. is why I'm sympathetic <laughs> yeah. to it. So I don't know if that's a fair assessment. But, but yeah, I I don't know if it it's not necessarily. Maybe it's a retcon of like George Lucas's idea vision for what the force is supposed to be. Um, But it doesn't like necessarily change like it doesn't change the story in any way or or no like in hard terms it doesn't. But in philosophical terms, it changes a lot. Right. Again, the the Jedi Council is very much in the in the wrong. Um, Right. It does. It does also lend credence to Luke's new Jedi order, too, though, because in his new order, he becomes less puritanical. Right. Yeah. He allows a lot more things. Yeah. Marriage. and Right. Exactly. And that those expressions of of positive emotions, love and caring for your friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in the legends, uh, Luke Skywalker, it is almost like Luke reforms the Jedi order. He's sort of like the John Calvin of (laughs) of the Jedi order. Right. Like, yeah. He, yeah, he breaks from the so-called Catholic Church that's yeah. been around for thousands of years and, and then, has very established doctrine. Yeah, 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 and then sort of like says, "No, like we don't have to do it this way," you know. Yeah, uh, while still keeping true to the to the essential faith of the of the Force. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So, so in that context, like it is a very complicated issue. One that, like, we could do a whole hour episode on this this alone which I yeah don't, totally. i don't want to capitalize on <laughs> but it is one of the big aspects of this series and it's one it's a it's a yeah it's a story element that's leaned on very heavily yeah like it, you can't go like 10 panels without totally. balance being brought back yeah, as a concept. yeah 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 you know having it have a very physical manifestation in the moons yeah. in the tython system um so and, and and to be fair there was there's a lot of uh um expanded universe stuff that george lucas hated apparently <laughs> yes yeah and and george lucas also has a horrible habit of going back and retconning his own stuff oh, okay yeah uh, even you can see that even but he still wanted to make money off it so right. he's of like so he just lets it go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even it, even with lucas too right like he goes back and is always reworking his stuff you can yeah. see that in all the editions of even the original trilogy that totally released, yeah right yeah so you know there, there are also even big out of universe questions about who who is the keeper of you know the keys of canon yeah with totally. star wars and those questions become even blurrier with <laughs> disney you know if a if the original creator sanctioned something is that you know yeah the ultimate authority yeah. is uh is this new interpretation if you sell your ip is a new creator like just as valid as the other ones are we are we free to pick and choose what we choose to believe yeah you know totally um, yeah there there are serious questions about about canonicity yeah. just in general but even even in the in let's call it the disney star wars um they kind of go more towards like especially in the last jedi to more towards like the jedi order was wrong and they yeah they, that that it's that, not as black and white as you think much yeah, of, i would say that was more of a of the last the last jedi's attempt yeah yeah then because that's also where it contradicts too with yeah. uh, with abram's interpretation johnston totally seems to be trying to push back to this gray middle ground yeah yeah which is something despite the fact that i despise that movie is something yeah. i can appreciate and i thought that that movie was going to be more about no but what i always say is disney just takes the good ideas from the former <laughs> and just runs it into yeah, the ground. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is an interesting concept and I do I do personally fundamentally agree with what balance should be. Yeah. Being something more akin to the to the Jedi ease interpretation. Yeah. Than the modern Jedi order. Well, totally. 
Republic era Jedi Order. I sure. Say. Yeah. Uh, and including Luke's new reformed Jedi Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Luke isn't necessarily going for balance either. He's, no, it's he's just very being less puritanical, like yeah, you said. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one final apology I just kind of <laughs> want to make is in our previous episodes, uh, you might recall us mentioning the origins of the Jedi and the Jedi E. Yeah. Uh, we often call it the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Um, just based on how it's spelled. Uh, but I think Jordan, according to your research, yeah, from the, it's hard to find. I couldn't find any official John Ostrander like confirmations. Yeah, yeah, of how to pronounce it. Um, but uh, I think from the best, and I agree with this interpretation, is there's two eyes at the end, yeah, and uh, that would lead to like an e sounding at the end, Jedi e, and that's kind of, and that kind of does make sense. And if it's Jedi. It doesn't. It literally doesn't sound different than Jedi. I, I mean, it depends on the inflection. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's but such a. It's so it's such minor, a minor. Yeah. Yes. Like the, that would that would make more sense to me um, that he put the two eyes at the end to make that sound uh, but more distinct. Yeah, more yeah. more distinct from the from the name Jedi. Right. Yeah. So that's all I had to say about it. I I I'm not a hundred percent sure that that is the pronunciation, but. I'm leaning towards, and we use that pronunciation in this episode. In this episode, but just in your mind, whichever interpretation you want to. You know, after writing this, I'm like, it's Jedi now. That's kind of like it's in my head. (laughs) It's the permanent. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the one. But I think I think it's Jedi. If anyone, if anyone knows any different, if they dispute that or have a source, yeah, yeah. have like an interview with John Ostrander or even. rules of the english language that yeah <laughs> sure, shed yeah. light on this if you're uh, an english major and fair like enough that. yeah yeah but uh that's about it uh anything else you wanted to add christian no uh that's sums up my thoughts it's a it's an all right series yeah definitely worth a read through for the art and the world building um but not too invested in the story itself yeah i would even say <laughs> Uh, I, hey, I'll recommend you read it. Like, I'll recommend you read it, support the authors or whatever. But um, the uh, at the very least, it's interesting to just skim through like the Wikipedia articles and and just kind of get an idea. Of the yeah, galaxy at a different time. Yeah, exactly. And so, the origins of the uh, of the Jedi is yeah is very interesting as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyways. Uh. So. Uh, just so everyone remembers, we are on Patreon. You can support us there. Um, if you want to see more cool content, uh, we also are on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Well, three of the socials, <laughs> uh, th- the three big ones. Um, and then you can email us as well. Um, just search search the Star Lords podcast, uh, Twitter, Facebook, or um, Instagram. Instagram and you'll find it on Google. Uh, um, we're also on YouTube. Yeah, we're working on. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying to work audience. on our YouTube uh, channel. So give us a sub there. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll reach out to us. Um, Let us it, know what you think about our content. If you have any corrections, anything, yeah. anything you want to chat about, even stuff yeah. related. Even just join the conversation. It, we're always open to people jumping in. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, just excited for season two coming soon. Yeah, season two is coming soon. So don't uh, unsubscribe to us. <laughs> Stay subscribed. That that up uh, that uh, our podcast will pop to the top when when you 
when the new episode comes out and when season two starts coming out. And that's also why you should follow us on our socials so that you are up to date. Yeah. Uh, Cool. See you guys later. You are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. for listening don't forget to give the show a five star rating and review and give us a follow on social media this episode was produced and edited by me jordan swaim written and directed by christian lutz and sam swaim all original music was scored and recorded by my music project farewell to Shadowland. thanks for flying with us we are interested to hear from you you can reach us at starlorespodcast at gmail.com let us know your thoughts comments or corrections If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating, review, and subscribe. You can also help us out through our Patreon at the Star Lords Podcast. Find us on Instagram, the Star Lords Podcast, on Facebook at the Star Lords Podcast, on Twitter at the Star Lords Podcast, and on YouTube, Star Lords Podcast. We'll catch you next time.